Shalom, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. We believe the Torah is relevant for our lives today, God's teachings and instructions. You may very well be part of the first generation to be born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, and have the Torah, a Christian with Torah. Join us as we honor the living God through the study of His Word, topical conversations, and interviews with special guests. Please welcome our hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to Christian Vitor, the Baked Tehillah Community Podcast. I'm your co-host, Ryan Cabrera, and I'm here in Studio B with Pastor Nick Plummer. Yes, Studio B. How's it going, Pastor Nick? It's going well. Yeah? Oh, I think so. I'm feeling like uh, making a return today. What do you? What about you? You feel like oh, returning? Yeah. yeah. I feel a little repentance. Yeah. Um, so we are Christians with Torah. Christians as in we believe in the basic Christian doctrine. We believe Jesus, Yeshua, uh, is the Messiah, the Son of God, right? That's right. And uh, we believe that the whole Bible, from Genesis to Maps, is relevant to believers today. What does that mean? It means we put an emphasis on Torah because nobody else in Christendom is. And let's just say that the Torah unlocks like some of the secrets to life. You want to find like just good, easy, black and white instructions from the Lord? Just flip to the beginning of the book. What, what does he say in the prophets? It. I declare the end from the beginning. This is right. This is so right. Which is funny because like if you want to know the end, there is some doctrine out there that says like we're we're where you have the law like is relevant, right? The Torah, and then right. like now it's not, but it will be again. Right. <laughs> and it's like uh we might want to check that out. You know, especially the one about the and the law will go forth from Zion. Yeah. And why is he bringing it back? It's exactly. Away with. Yeah. yeah. It makes you wonder. And he also says I didn't come to destroy. That's beside the point. We're not getting into that today. No. Today. Today, we are preparing our hearts for the fall feasts by studying about the season of Teshuvah. Now, uh, Teshuvah is a season of time on the Hebrew Jewish calendar uh, that starts on Elul 1, which is coming up on Thursday night in the evening, right? So, uh, Do you this have is any August dates? 17th. It goes for 40 days, season of Teshuvah. Right, so it goes from August 17th in the evening, which is the first day of Elul, the month of Elul. It goes for the entire month of Elul. Right? right, And then the 10 days of all, which is Tishri 1 through 10, right? Tishri 1 being yeah. the Yom Teruah and Tishri 10 being Yom Kippur. And it goes from Elul 1 all the way to Tishri 10, so 40 days. Is it September 25th, I believe it is? It is. So it's year? August 17th to September 25th. And that's on our outline, so I was going to kind of like wait because it's like the third point. But, you know, I wanted to at least prime the pump. So oh, That's um, right. We fixed the date on that. That we did. We did. Ooh, we got it. It's right there. We got it. So here we go. Part one is the return. All right, let's do it. So the season of Teshuvah is very important. First of all, is to prepare us for the fall feasts. And it's all about returning and repentance. So think of John the Baptist. Um, the kingdom of God has a calendar and contained within that calendar are seasons that we have to go through. It is extremely important that we keep the feast days along with the weekly Sabbath. And in every season, we must be obedient. This is true. So we have like the season of redemption at Passover. Right. We have... Um, you know, seasons. And so what's, what's important is that this particular season of Teshuvah is very, very important, especially during the summer season between the spring and the fall feast. So we're getting ready. So Teshuvah literally means to return and is the word used to describe the concept of repentance. So this isn't a time to like beat yourself up and all that, but this is a time to do like a spiritual audit, start working on some things that you need to work on. And if you're married, you can ask your spouse, hey, what do I really need to work on? And they'll just give you a little paper to read. 
The season of Teshuvah consists of the month Elul, the sixth month, and ten days in Tishri, the seventh month in the Hebrew calendar, which is in the Gregorian calendar, August 17th in the evening, which is this Thursday, to September 25th evening of 2023. So it begins on Elul 1, it ends on the Day of Atonement that evening. So it's, it kind of builds to a crescendo, it just builds and builds and builds, you know, which is really, really cool because the Yom Teruah is about the showing, shofar blasts, calling forth the assembly, and then you have the 10 days of all, and then you go into, of course, Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, which is about corporate forgiveness. Then a few days later, we get into the big in-gathering because we assemble, we corporately ask for forgiveness, and now we can come together in the Lord. There are prophecies in the Bible about a people in the last days that would return back to God. The house of Israel, the house of Judah, uh, or Ephraim and Judah, uh, the non-Jews coming out of the nations, drawn to the things uh, that would seem Jewish or Israeli or whatever. Um, the Gentiles are coming out of the nations because God is writing Torah on minds and hearts. And that is really, really powerful. So that's another thing that's happening is that uh, Ephraim and Judah are coming together. It's a reconciliation of Jews and Gentiles or even Judaism and Christianity with a mutual respect. We're witnessing that here at our church. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 1 through 3, this kind of sums it up. This is really powerful. It says, And it shall come to pass, when all these things are come upon thee, the blessing and the curse, which I have set before thee, thou shalt call them to mind among all the nations, whither the Lord thy God hath driven thee, and shalt return unto the Lord thy God, and shalt obey his voice according to all that I command thee this day, thou and thy children, with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, that then the Lord thy God will turn thy captivity and have compassion upon thee and will return and gather thee from all the nations whither the Lord thy God hath scattered thee. So that's the awakening. That's the revelation, the progressive revelation that we're seeing. I would consider this like a Hebrew rapture. I mean, think about it. He's going to gather us from the four corners. He's going to gather us. So the, the rapture is definitely uh, relevant uh, to this particular portion of scripture. Now, we're bringing to mind the blessing and the curse, which is the things that we're doing right, things that we're doing wrong. But we are, of course, also returning with our children, with all of our heart and soul. So that's really, really powerful. Um, and so we are, of course, scattered in the nations. It's called the diaspora. Uh, we're, we're scattered, but we're not in exile. And we're no longer punished because we're getting the revelation. So we're returning back to him. And so once again, um, we, we have that in play. Do, do you have any thoughts on Deuteronomy 30 verses 1 through 3? Because it's so powerful and so relevant. Matter of fact, I was, it, it had to have been maybe the year 2000 or 2001. We were in the hotel room there, renting a room, doing our Torah studies. I believe, I believe it was in Tampa. And this verse came out, Deuteronomy 30 verses 1 through 3. And I read it and I looked at it while we were doing the Torah study. And the Lord is like, this has come to pass. Now, that's 20 years ago. I mean, so it, it, there's no saying, doubt that it was, it was so relevant when I read this, like, wow, this is what I'm doing. I'm bringing to mind the blessing and the curse. What am I doing right? What am I doing wrong? So right. self-reflection. Well, it, everyone would have to understand that at any t given moment in the human experience that we are blessed and cursed at the same time. It's this dichotomy, this weird thing that we have going on. That's why people talk about mindset being so important that you want to focus on the blessing and not on the curse, right? right. You want to focus on the Lord and not on the enemy. Uh, you want to focus on the the legitimate and not on the counterfeit. Right. Um, and I think that that's 
that's part of it. You know, it's cool too is um, I made a shirt one time. I don't know if you remember this that said live what's revealed on them, right? And so this month our our uh, scripture verse for our memory verse for the congregation is Deuteronomy twenty nine twenty nine, which is the verse right before this. The secret things belong to the Lord our that's God. A, that's a good point. And those things that are revealed uh, belong to us and our children forever that we may do all the words of this law. And then it says, and it shall come to pass, right? So this is like, that's like the primer verse, letting you know that there's these secret things that belong to the Lord. You know, kind of like, we like we were talking about some of the mysteries right before we started no, that's recording. A, that's a good point. There's mysteries about the existential nature of God and things that we don't understand because he's outside of time space and we're inside of time space. That's right. But uh, if we understand the biblical history, he's calling out all of the things that have happened between then and now. And we are here on the other end of that, bearing witness to the truth of the scriptures that you just read. Right. That we are here. It's relevant, yeah. We are in the diaspora. Right. We are calling to mind the blessings and the curses. Which is awesome. Right here. I mean, we're talking, I'm talking 20 years. Oh, yeah. Well, th- and that's the thing. It's, so that's is, the, be- it's not like, oh, this is the, this is the larva stage. No, no, this thing is growing. This, right. And, and we've even growing. got some more verses in here that kind of wrap all this we, together. We yeah. However, a couple of things I want to mention. So you mentioned the fall feast being prophetic right you right. had you mentioned that you have the spring feast which is the season of redemption right which yeshua came his first go-round and he quote-unquote fulfilled and is fulfilling you know right. passover through his blood death, right. death burial and resurrection the season of passover and shavuot right. or pentecost Two with the giving of the spirit right there, yeah so now like you said we're looking forward and we are prophetically in that summer months right the season right. of the summer months headed towards right the fall feasts. And so these right. fall feasts being prophetic were leading up to this time. And now it's almost like all of these people that are coming out of the nations, that are getting their Hebrew roots, that are starting to understand the relevance of the whole Bible rather than just a portion of it, that are getting an understanding that, hey, these aren't necessarily just Jewish things. These are biblical things. We need to get back to a biblical expression of our faith. These people are literally returning Teshuvah, right? They're making Teshuvah to the scriptures, to the ways that God has ordained for us to walk in all the way back when this was, you know, created. That's true. That's good, man. You know, I mean, as we continue on in verse 8, Deuteronomy 30, verse 8, And thou shalt return and obey the voice of the Lord and do all his commandments, which I command thee this day. I find this very interesting because I um, don't want to spend a lot of time because we got so much material here. But the bottom line is that we need to hear the voice of God and obey. Uh, if you are listening to the enemy whispering in your ear, and saying these things, and you're taking it to heart, it could really mess your life up. So we want to get the enemy's voice out of our head, enemy's voice out of our life. Uh, the enemy doesn't speak to me anymore because I don't listen to him. I don't pay him heed. So that's the beauty of that. And then you can move on to your to, to some other challenges to take captive every thought to the obedience of Christ. Cast down vain imaginations. That's a process. But as far as hearing the voice of the Lord, that is the most important thing here um, that we need to to. To do, and that's where I've, you know, gotten alone with the Lord every day, and spent an hour in the Word every day, and just, you know, Lord, speak to me. What do you want? How do you want it? And then He tells me, go here, go there, do this, do that. So that's really the beauty of that. So the word return is is in the Hebrew, uh, is the Hebrew word shub. It's number seven seven twenty five, and it means the following. This is what this word means. It means to turn, call to mind, recover, restore or retrieve. So if Israel once was, Israel will be again. 
And that's the beauty of the house of Israel, made up of Jews and non-Jews. See, it's not just the Jewish people that make up the house of Israel or Israel or even the nation of Israel. It's Jews and it's non-Jews. And I love the, the, the word return. It means to turn, call to mind, recover, restore, and retrieve. I love that, to retrieve. Because, you know, 2,000 years have passed. That's the part of the punishment. The temple was destroyed. The second temple was destroyed in 70 A.D. And, and, and you know, in, in 70 A.D., the temple was destroyed. And so uh, all the Jews were scattered. Everybody was scattered. The gospel had to go out. So now, all of a sudden, the, the exile's over. The gospel's gone out. And now it's time to shub. Yes. Shooby-dooby-doo. 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 So... What's what's cool about this, right, is this word return, because I, I think we always associate Teshuvah with repentance, but then all these prophecies, and we're going to be reading a bunch of verses here. Yeah, because part one is all about the return next in this teaching. And it's about the returning. There's a literal returning that's happening, and you can kind of mix the two ideas together, but think about this. So think about like the word redeemed and the, verse, and the, and the term restored, because you have here recover and restore— as concepts underneath this word shoot. And so I was thinking about like an old classic car. So like I just imagine a guy goes to a junkyard and he sees like, a, I don't know, a 67 Corvette, something that doesn't belong in a junkyard, right. you know, but it's in bad condition and he redeems it. He buys it back. He gets it out of the junkyard, right? Because it doesn't belong in a junkyard. Right. He retrieves it. And then what he does is he takes it back home and he restores it, right? There's this, this process of restoration. And so we are being redeemed. We've been redeemed by the blood of Yeshua, and we're being restored. Right. Almost like the concept of salvation and sanctification. Yeah. Right? Or justification and sanctification. Which because is, of what the second Adam has done. Correct. He, he, he redeems the first Adam. He's the second Adam, and he's redeemed us. And he's trying to bring us to the place where we need to, to be. Right. Um, some other things about returning, you know— uh, there's a concept the Alter Rebbe came up with. Which I got some of the stuff that I'm going to mention out of this book. Uh, Pastor Nick and I did this book years and years ago. Uh, what, probably five years ago now, maybe four years ago. It's 60 Days, A Spiritual Guide to the High Holidays. It's by uh, Rabbi Simon Jacobson. And there's just a treasure trove of like, um, you know, ancient concepts and writings uh, centered around the idea of Teshuvah in this book. It's a 60-day, like, devotional. And it's it's from an Orthodox perspective. Yeah, so it's really good. It is really good. You got to, you know, eat the fish and spit out the bones a little bit, but That's um, good. some of the stuff I got out of it was, one of them is that the month of Elul, being the month where Teshuvah occurs, that they use an acronym from the Song of Songs, uh, Song of Solomon, chapter 6 and verse 3, where it, it says, Ani li do di vi do di li, which is the, I am my beloved's and my beloved is mine. Wow. That there's this concept that God is calling us back to him to be in relationship with him, that we are his beloved, he is right. our beloved, right? And that we, we come back together, that despite the things that we have done to cause harm to the relationship, right. sin and things like that, that there's still love there, right. and that he wants to repair that relationship, and that there is a process for that reparation. And then yeah. there's also the concept that uh, the king is in the field. So Again, with the idea of returning, and I, it's funny because this is an orthodox concept that the king is in the fields from the altar Rebbe, which I want to say he's from the Middle right. Ages. And Yeshua leaves and goes away. And during the summer months, you know, that kind of says how David, with the time when kings were supposed to be at battle, but he wasn't. He was at home and he got spring, himself— It was springtime, yeah. Yeah, he got himself in trouble with uh, yeah, Bathsheba. But 
But our Lord, he goes away and he's making battle for us right now, right? He went and took away the keys of, of sin and death and the grave and, and he's you know, conquered on our behalf, right? But he's, he's gone. And the idea is that during this time of Elul, the king is making his way back to his kingdom. Right. And so there's this concept of the king is in the field. He's and accessible. That, and that he's returning and that he's not in his throne room with layers upon layers of people and security and, and things and protocol where you have to go through in order to get to petition before him. Right. If, he's, if you're working out in the field and he's walking by you out in the field, you can just walk up to him and talk to him, right? So it, right. there's this concept that there's layers. He's attainable. That have been correct. Accessible, yeah. Right. And so we're talking about the return idea. Right. And the rapture. You mentioned the rapture, which is funny because the, there will be those that will say there is no rapture. There's yeah. absolutely a rapture. Yeah. Um, to Catch say there's not a rapture is an unbiblical statement, which we won't get in that today. But it's the timing of the rapture, right? Right. So as he's making his, his return through the month of Elul, he's accessible to us, which is I think is pretty cool. It gives us the ability to, to access him, right? Because once he gets there, once he goes back to the kingdom, which he returns on what? Yom Teruah. Right. Right? The books are opened. Yeah. And then 10 days later, the books are closed. Right. And you hope that your name made it in and wasn't blotted out That's during true. those 10 days of all. And so here's, here's what's cool about that. So Isaiah chapter 44, verse 22 says, I have blotted out as a thick cloud thy transgressions and as a cloud thy sins. Return unto me, for I have redeemed thee. Right? So there's this restoration return concept, and there's the redeemed concept that I mentioned about, like, say, the Corvette. And he has blotted out your transgressions, talking about this, the books are opened, the books are closed. That's right. And so you have all of these things that you can read through. And I'm just going to read some more of these verses because you'll see that these prophecies that God makes, this is where these things come from, these concepts. So therefore the redeemed of the Lord shall return and come with singing unto Zion, and everlasting joy shall be upon their head, and they shall obtain gladness and joy, and sorrow and mourning shall flee away. How awesome is that? While return and come with singing unto Zion. Right, but check this out. Joy shall be upon their head. What are they wearing? Joy like a hat, you know? But it says they shall mm-hmm. obtain gladness and joy, so much so that sorrow and mourning will flee away. They'll run. They'll head for the hills. Gonzo. And then Isaiah 63, 17 says, O Lord, why hast thou made us to err from thy ways and harden our heart from thy fear? Return for thy servant's sake the tribes of thine inheritance. What does it mean? That's actually a prayer. It is. It's part of a prayer, yeah. What does it mean to return the tribes of thine inheritance? It means to bring back the elect from the four corners. Right. (laughs) Right? It's the rapture. There it is. Right? It's the collection. It's the regathering, the, the, the greater exodus, so to speak. Um, then Hosea 1.1. We're going to go through a couple verses in Hosea. Hosea um, 1.11? That's what I meant, Hosea 1.11. Uh, then shall the children of Judah and the children of Israel be gathered together and appoint themselves one head, and they shall come up out of the land, for great shall be the day of Jezreel. What a incredible prophecy here. And they all go together. So what you're yeah. doing is you're kind of you're tying the tapestry together. You're weaving it through these verses. That's right. What God is promising through multiple prophets over multiple generations. And so um, some backstory, Jezreel was the legitimate child between the prophet Hosea and his wife, Gomer, uh, after they were married. Now, Jezreel's name means God sows or God will scatter. And this is a picture of Ephraim coming out of the nations where God scattered him today, right? So there was a dispersion, right, and then a return. And we're uh, yeah, Hosea chapter one verses three and four. So yeah, so Jezreel was legitimate, right? And then she went back to the prostitution. She did, and so she had two more children. Yep, Loami and Loruma, not yep. a people, no mercy. 
And then in Hosea, in the very beginning of the chapters, he talks about go and buy her back. Yep. So that's what God did for us through Jesus, which is powerful. Right, and that's, the, and and that's the redemption. When you yeah. redeem, you buy back, right? You've, you've gone and It's interesting that, that Hosea had to marry the prostitute. She was a prostitute in the beginning. So it's almost like that's almost like our sin nature. We oh, had yeah. a sin nature. We were prostitutes. And we did the wrong things. And then he redeemed us, and then we can come back to him through his son. Well, I, I don't know everybody's testimony, but how many of us have, have come to the Lord, right, and had all the good intentions— but then still had that sin nature in us and just totally blew it, right? Yeah. I, I'm one of them, right? I mean, right. I, I can testify. And then he goes and he still buys us back, and we get to return to him still. What mercy and yeah. grace he has. You know, you get to continue on with Hosea because it's a progressive revelation as we go through this. Because we started out with Hosea 1.11, then yeah. we, we threw in Hosea 1, verses 3 and 4. But now, now you're going to be moving progressively through... Hosea some more. So yeah, that's good. Yep. So Hosea 3, 5, Afterward shall the children of Israel return and seek the Lord their God and David their king and shall fear the Lord and his goodness in the latter days. Oh! See, there's proof. See, we're in the book of Hosea. <laughs> we are We are absolutely. We are in there. You know what I mean? And, and, and real quickly, the book of Hosea is broken up into three parts. It's, a, it's, about, uh, it's, a, it's about the sin nature. It's about the sins of the people of Hosea, the northern kingdom. It's the sins of Ephraim, the northern kingdom. It's about the judgment of that sin and thrown into Assyrian captivity, sent out of the land and absorbed into the nations. But thirdly, it's all about the return in the last day. So we get the good news. Oh, yeah. It even says the little ones would be dashed to pieces. The the, the, the judgment was so strict. I just see my little Hava just swords just, uh, just slaying her. I don't want to see that. I know, but it's like when you see little ones dashed to pieces, it's kind of like what Herod did to the... The boys two years this and is, under in Bethlehem. This is true, yeah. I mean, it was just vicious slaughter, yeah. you know, just judgment. Well, that's the thing. I mean, the enemy wants to kill you, right? Like, Especially if you're an effective, you know, kingdom-minded person. If he can't control you and make you ineffective, then he's going to try to kill you, bottom line. Yeah, he's a murderer. Absolutely. So, all right, Hosea 6, verses 1 through 3. Oh, this is powerful. Yep. Come and let us return unto the Lord, for he hath torn, and he will heal us. He hath smitten, and he will bind us up. After two days, he will revive us. In the third day, he will raise us up, and we shall live in his sight. Then shall we know, if we follow on to know the Lord, his going forth is prepared as the morning, and he shall come unto us as the rain, as the latter and former rain upon the earth. So this is intense. Um, You know, the Lord says that he hath torn and will heal us. And this is this process that we know he allows trials and tribulations into our life in order for it to work on us so that later it can work for us, right? That's why he says all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Yeah. So right now he's, he's healing us. He's smitten, but he will bind us up. So he's, he's dressing our wounds. But after two days, will, will he revive us? And the third day, uh, he will raise us up and we shall live in his sight. So after two days, if a day is as a thousand years, a thousand years is as one day. Well, at the end of the two days, they're going to be like this resurrection. Um, and it's been 2,000 years since us Yeshua. To, it's actually a picture of a resurrection or a changed body. In the third day, he will raise us up and we shall live in his sight. So the third day is after the second day. Sure is. So it'll be like three days. And that's the day of the Lord is the beginning of that third day of that thousand year reign. Yeah. So we got to get through the first two days which we're closing in on, I believe, 
Oh, yeah. Well, Messiah 2030. You got to check it out on YouTube. That teaching on YouTube has been... It's two uh, hours and seven minutes. Messiah 2030. It's an assumption that the Messiah could come back in 2030 because that would be a thousand years and then another thousand years. That's two days, so 2,000 years. Or it could be 33 AD, but, but I'll tell you, we're close to something. It is without a doubt the most comprehensive yeah. prophetic like linking of from when it comes to timeline ideas uh, that I've ever seen. It's um, very good. And this word revive is the same word used to describe Jacob's uh, response to seeing the wagons that Joseph had sent. It was like he came back from the dead and yeah. the, hope, the hope came and, oh, it was just incredible. Well, it's almost the concept of resurrection, right? I would think so almost. Like he was dead. No, yeah. he's alive. Yeah, 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 exactly. All right, so we already talked about the three parts of Hosea. Um, so we're going to move on to Hosea 14.7. And it says, They that dwell under the shadow, under his shadow, shall return. They shall revive as the corn and grow as the vine. The scent thereof shall be as the wine of Lebanon. So this is cool because, look, it says revive as the corn. This word corn in the King James Wheat, is grain. really grain. Yeah, grain. Um, and so what does grain have to do? It has to fall to the earth and it dies, right? And then, and only then, can it grow. But then it multiplies with 30, 60, 100-fold increase, right? This is the, the beauty of what God has created in his economy. You know, God's not a baker, right? He's a gardener. So you don't got to worry about taking somebody else's piece of the pie, Right. Your consumption creates more production in God's economy, which is pretty cool. That's right. Um, now, Hosea 14.9 says, Who is wise, and shall he shall understand these things? Prudent, and he shall know them. For the ways of the Lord are right, and the just shall walk in them. But the transgressors shall fall therein. See, we understand. Praise That's God. That's why we're sharing. I hope we do. I mean, that's we my We do prayer. understand. Yeah, yeah. It's my we prayer. understand. You know, it says that uh, the just shall walk in them. So this is one of the things, uh, the justified walk in the ways of the Lord. One of the ways that you can uh, know, are you walking by the Spirit, is do you have the fruit thereof? Are you walking in it? Or are you not? You know, right. this is a simple simple way for you personally to examine yourself. Because remember, Teshuvah is not about external examination, about examining others. Right. It's about examining yourself. That's true. All right, so within the Hebrew Roots movement, God is gathering Ephraim, which we consider to be Gentiles from the nations. That's right. And they have the understanding of returning with a great responsibility. Now, my caveat would be like, not everybody you find on YouTube has this understanding. <laughs> However, those that truly are the Gentiles that are coming out of the nations, returning to the Lord, that we're considering Ephraim, have an understanding of the great responsibility that has been laid upon us. And we're mature and the maturity that is necessary to carry out this great responsibility. Mature. Uh, Jeremiah 33, 7. And I will cause the captivity of Judah and the captivity of Israel to return and will build them as at the first. And so this return meaning is reversed. You're no longer captive. Uh, notice that there are two different groups of people in this. We have Judah and we have Israel. Judah being the Jews or the natural branches and Israel being Ephraim or the wild branches. Ooh. There's some prophecies for they you. They both have to come together and return as the whole house of Israel. Boy, ain't that the truth. Right? And so this is a, a sorely overlooked prophecy 
uh, that we find here in Jeremiah 33, 7. We find it in Jeremiah 31. We find it through Isaiah. And then we find it kind of culminating with Paul's letter to the Romans in chapter 11 and really keyed in on verse 25 with that whole section of, of What was Romans the time 11. period? Was it 400 years of silence between Malachi and the New Testament? Well, Malachi, so chronologically, Malachi is not the last prophet, but yes, between the the days of the prophets and the New Testament is about 400 years. Okay. Mm. Um, But speaking of Malachi, chapter 3, verse 18, then shall ye return and discern between the righteous and the wicked, between him that serveth God and him that serveth him not. So check this out. In the process of returning to the Lord, you are going to run into people that are saying they are returning, but are not. And so you will need to be able to discern between the righteous and the wicked, between him that's actually serving the Lord and him that is not. And so this returning process can be fraught with uh, some counterfeits and some danger. And so you have to stick to the scriptures, let scripture interpret scripture, Pray, right. rely on the Holy and Spirit. don't try to convert everyone. Just practice your faith and see what God does. Amen. And then people will be drawn to you. Amen. Because unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain. That's correct. So that's why we have Beit Tehillah. God has built this place. That's, that's for right. his purpose and his glory. And that's the cool thing. So what do you got, number 18? And then I'll jump into the next section. Yeah. Okay, so the word return is the Hebrew word shub, and it means the following, which I'm feeling deja vu on this. We got to hit this thing, boy. I feel like we it's may have already time, talked you know? about return. Yeah. But it says to turn, call to mind, recover, restore, or retrieve. And that's all part of the reconciliation. That's all part of the restitution of all things in Acts, too. I think of Abraham and Lot, and I think how Lot got himself into some trouble. And, you know, there's the five kings versus the four kings or whatever, you know, all that whole situation. But that Abraham had to go with his 300 men, 318 men, right, and go and get Lot. Right. And he, was he a militia. retrieved him. The first, it was a militia. And, and let's... Let's just note that Lot got himself into this trouble. Now, it's not that Lot wasn't righteous. It's just that Lot went somewhere and did something knowing right. that there were possible consequences. The and Abraham still went and rescued him. Yep. Which, watch is, out to for me, the is the concept of what's going on here with the return. The Lord is doing the work, and not necessarily for our sake. He makes it very clear that in uh, Ezekiel 36, he's not doing this for our sakes, but for his name's sake does right. he do this. And by a spirit and by the word, we can we can put the pieces together, Ryan. You know, it's not hard. You can have a lot of the word and misconstrue it and then take it out of context, and then you don't have the spirit. But if you have the spirit and you, and you take the word, you can blend it together, and it's a beautiful journey. It's what it is. So we did part one, which is about the return. And part two now, I'm going to jump in here, is about repentance. Uh, the season of Teshuva is also about repentance. Pretty cool. Uh, here's a note. According to the rabbis, man is born with an evil inclination or a tendency to sin of which repentance is the antidote. You know, when kids are born, they're born selfish. Mine, mine, mine. Try to take a toy from a child. Right. Let another child take a toy from a child and watch the evil inclination rise up. So once again, another note, repentance means more than just turning from one's sins. It is a return to God and to the right path. So, uh, yeah, so this good. might be a good time to just say, so Teshuvah is the word in Hebrew that we're using, and it is the season of Teshuvah. And right. Teshuvah literally does mean to, to turn around, right. right? To make like 180 degrees. So if you're heading in one way, you turn around and head a different way. That's true. And so they use that word to explain the concept of repentance. In the New Testament, however, so like, for example, in Mark chapter 1, verse 15, where Yeshua says, um, you know, the time is fulfilled, uh, 
the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe this gospel, right? Believe this good news. When he's saying repent, it's the word metaneo, which is Greek, which is a different concept from the Hebrew, and it is to change your mind. Change your mind. Right? To be persuaded. And so it means that you were thinking one way, and now you're thinking another. What I want to propose to you is that we need to take both of these concepts and put them together, right? We kind of meld them together. And that gives us a complete understanding of what God means when he's telling us that we need to return and repent, that we need to forget the former things and the ways that we were thinking before and take up his things, right? Right. To be persuaded in a different direction. That's good. You know, to the right path. You know, I've got this series that I want to call it, Hey, There's a Better Way. Hey, there's a better way. Hey, there's a better way. Just like I'll give you an example. Like, Sounds like a song. Yeah. Hey, there's a better way. Yeah. Um, it's interesting because it's like, okay, uh, betrothal instead of dating. What do you mean I can't date? I'm going to find my wife. Uh, there's a better way. It's called there's betrothal. There's a better way. Wait a minute. I like celebrating Easter and Halloween and, and Christmas trees. And hey, there's a better way. It's hey. called, hey, hey, it's the Lord's Feast. <laughs> there's a better so way. So Ezekiel chapter 18, verses 21 through 23 is so powerful. It says right here, but if the wicked will churn or shub from all his sins that he hath committed, and keep all my statutes, and do that which is lawful and right, he shall surely live. He shall not die. All his transgressions that he hath committed, they shall not be mentioned unto him. In his righteousness that he hath done, he shall live. Have I any pleasure at all that the wicked should die, saith the Lord God, and not that he should return or shub from his ways and live? Wow. Mm. So God's perfect love causes him to be merciful to those who recognize their sin and turn back to him. But he cannot overlook those who willfully sin. Wicked people die both physically and spiritually. God takes no joy in their deaths. He would prefer that they turn to him and have eternal life. 2 Peter 3.9. You want to read that? 2 Peter 3.9? Sure thing. I can do 2 Peter 3.9. 2 Peter 3.9. He doesn't want nobody to die in their sins. Three nine. All right. Second Peter three nine. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long suffering toward us usward, <laughs> to usward, right. not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Wow. You know, as we move on, we were in Ezekiel eighteen verses twenty one through twenty three. We progressively move down now to Ezekiel eighteen verses thirty through thirty two. Therefore, I will judge you, O house of Israel. Oh, boy, there it goes. Everyone according to his ways, saith the Lord God. Repent, by the way, it's the word shub. And churn is the word shub. So repent and churn, shub yourselves from all your transgressions, so iniquity shall not be your ruin. Cast away from you all your transgressions, whereby ye have transgressed, and make you a new heart and a new spirit, for why will you die, O house of Israel? For I have no pleasure in the death of him that dieth, saith the Lord God. Wherefore, churn, shub yourselves, and live ye. Wow. God is going to judge those in the house of Israel that are living in their transgressions and their iniquities. Not just wicked people, but those that are wicked in the house of Israel. Ezekiel's solution to the problem of inherited guilt is for each person to have a changed life. God does this work in us. We cannot do it for ourselves. Our heart and spirit become broken and tainted. The Holy Spirit 
gives these to us. You want to read Psalm 51, verses 10 through 12? So the Holy Spirit gives these to us you to become broken. Psalm 51, this is a Psalm of David. Yeah, verses 10 through 12. Yeah, this is, uh, he gets himself into some trouble, like we mentioned previously, where he was uh, at home when he shouldn't have been. He should have been out with his men. And uh, he ended up seeing Bathsheba on the roof. And in his repentance, in his sorrow, he says these words in 51, 10 through, what do you want, 11 or 12? 12, 12, yeah. All right, it says, cast me not away. No, it says, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. Wow. You know, when it says renew a right spirit, it means a constant spirit. Right. So he had a momentary lapse in judgment. Right. He wasn't being led by his spirit because the spirit should lead your souls in the middle and your flesh is in the back. But if you have the flesh in the front, the soul in the middle and the, and the spirit in the back, you're going to be in trouble. The spirit has to be in the front, your soul's in the middle, and then the flesh is, of course, in the rear. Uh, so God is going to judge those in the house of Israel that are living in their transgressions and their iniquities. Once again, uh, we, we, we've read that already. But anyway, so that's pretty powerful. You know, um, think about the consequences before you do something. You know, I don't I, you know, I, I want to ask David, I guess we can talk about it. I don't know. Like you had wives and concubines. Why Bathsheba? I mean, is there another one to add that that was married? I mean, was it was it really that good or so that worth it? I mean, I'm just wondering, you know, like, well, you know, like if you have one wife that's not meeting your needs, I could see that. But, you know, he's got wives and concubines, had a lot of sons. I think by now he's at Abigail. He's got, I don't know, he's got quite a, quite a bit of... So you've said this a million times, right? I think it's just a quote from Scripture that the eyes are never satisfied. There you go, that's true. And um, there's no temptation that has come upon thee except that which is common to man. And David um, is in a position that we don't understand. We're not king, right? Right. Uh, but we can all fall into the trap of what we have is not enough. It really comes from a place of being ungrateful. Right. So when you look outwardly and you're like, I want that, something that you shouldn't have and is not yours and doesn't right. belong to you, right? And you're coveting, you're telling God basically, and this is a sin, that the, what he has given you, the favor that he's bestowed upon you, isn't enough, right? That's true. That's like if you're jealous of somebody else or coveting something else, you don't appreciate what you have. It doesn't mean that you don't ever desire anything else. I don't... I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm saying, but I am saying that when there's something that is for sure not for you, <laughs> meaning right. married to another man, right. Um, right. it's not yours, right. and it is not a godly thought to continue down and that path. that's a commandment, thou right. shalt not covet. Right. His wife, it says in things. All right, you want to, you want to hit number 24 and, and finish it up here? I will. Okay, so here's a note. In the Bible, distinction is made between repentance for sins committed against God and those committed against one's fellow man. And this wow. is a good little segue for just a minute. I want to show you another book. Uh, uh, Minister Stephen Duggar put me <laughs> onto this. Uh, yes. This is uh, from Art Scroll, but it's a, a book called Sharei Teshuvah. It's the gateways of Teshuvah, right? Gateways of repentance. And uh, the author of the book itself is actually... Uh, what's his name? It's Rabbi, because there's so many different net rabbi names. It's actually Rabbeinu Yonah of Garona, right? Rabbeinu meaning our rabbi. So it's Rabbi Yonah Garona, but it has been elucidated or commentated on, right, by many, like a whole list of rabbis. So then when you get the book, it has the Hebrew text of what Rabbi 
uh, Garona had mentioned had written. It's serious. And then it has the explanations of those things in English for you so and serious. commentary by these other rabbis. It's serious. Let me just tell you, look, I know that people poke fun at Orthodox Judaism. Right. I, 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 they don't I respect it. it, yeah. And they don't respect it. And, you know, in this other book that I had shown you by uh, Rabbi Simon Jacobson, one of the things that he says in there is that mechanical Judaism is an insult to God. And I think in the Christian mind, just from the outside looking in, we may look at Orthodox Judaism and think about, like, how mechanical that is. Because we're so free-spirited, like, oh, as right. I feel like it. Well, what about when you don't feel like it, you know? Yeah. I mean, are you doing what the Lord has called you to do even when you don't necessarily feel like it? And that doesn't mean be mechanical, but it means be obedient, That's true. right? Anyways... So just the first gateway, so there's several gateways to Teshuvah in here. The first one is the principles of Teshuvah. There's 20 principles of Teshuvah. That's like all of this. Like, I mean, just the concept of Teshuvah, he expresses in all of the— it's deep, it's rich, there's a lot to it. Um, he even talks about um, the severity, right? Gate, categories of severity, categories of atonement. Good resource. It is a good resource. Yeah, a lot of people are missing out on it. Just like anything else, right? We're not Orthodox Judaism. I'm not pr promoting Orthodox Judaism that you go and join Orthodox Judaism. No. But I just want to mention that there's been thousands of years of these people, the Jewish rabbis, like studying the scriptures intensely and even around certain concepts. We have these resources that we can can use. And sure, some of the stuff you may want to, you know, you eat the fish and spit out the bones, as we say, right? But man what a what a treasure trove another really good one so all right uh number 25 for this reason the torah has two different sacrifices talking about the difference between uh committing sins against god versus man uh so there's two different sacrifices dealing with sin the first was known as chatat which is the sin offering while the other is called asham which is the guilt offering Right, And so the sin offering taught that when man sinned against God, restitution must be made with God, whereas the guilt offering concerned man's restoring his relationship with another man before God. And real quickly, just so I can interject, because I don't want to take up a lot of time, but there's five sacrifices. Yes. Burn offering, the, the grain offering or meal offering, meat offering, right? Number yeah. two, it says meat in there. Yeah. It's grain. Thirdly is the peace offering. Those, those are not mandatory. They're right. voluntary. Right. But these two, where's your sacrifice? Yep. That's, yeah, right. that's right. And there's a sixth one that I found in there that's not really in the five sacrifices. It's called the consecration offering. Interesting. Which is what they used when they consecrated the priest. That's a good point. Yeah, just a little. Very good. Which probably is a peace offering, if you really think about it. Like, it probably falls under that category, you know? It could be, because, yeah, because it's dealing with vows and commitments. Yeah, see? You're picking up what I'm putting I down. I know, I know. Yeah. I support what that. Do you like? you like Leviticus? I, is I'm, that your I, thing? I, I, the eyes have it. <laughs> All right, so uh, if a person sinned against another person, forgiveness would not be given by God if the guilty party only confessed his sin to God. He must first make restitution with his fellow man and then come to God. Now, Did I, you read 26? Uh, I think you skipped it. No, yeah, absolutely. That's what we just talked about. Oh, you read that. Okay, I was just thinking of number 25. Yep, nope. So um, get The sin offering, the guilt offering, then okay, I see. Yep. If, I got you. I if got you. a... Cool. Uh, I, I would say that in number 27 that I just read, right? Right. Um, there would be those that would argue against that, that you only need to confess your sin to someone, right? right. Confess your sins one to another and before God, right? Make your restitution. But in this case, this, is, this sound, sounds like it's implying that you must go make it right with whoever you sinned against first. You have to confess. 
And we confirm that, don't we? I think I do, yeah. I mean, I'm, In Matthew, you're getting ready to read it. Oh. <laughs> I know. It's so good what he tells us to Now, you guys, you guys fight fair now. Yeah. Now, the, you guys get along. Listen, this is the stuff to me that, like, makes me chuckle. This is what I do with my kids. Because people make the Torah out to be, like, this big, strenuous, hard thing. I know. And then you get to Yeshua, and you're like, look, man. He interprets He's, it. like, twice as hard. Like, oh, you want to bring your little tougher. offerings, and you want to follow the law and bring your little offerings and your tithes, and you want to do this? <laughs> okay, well, why don't you go make it right with you know, Bobby over there, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> then bring me your, your, your mint and your cumin. So Yeshua referred to this in Matthew 5, 23 and 24. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath aught against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. Oof, thank goodness it's just your brother and not your wife. You know what I mean? Because, like, yeah. could you imagine having to, like, make it right with your wife? You'd never get to bring an offering. You know what I mean? You'd just always be messed up. You know? That's true. You know, you got to get over these things because there's new offenses coming, man. I got, see, I don't really hang on to things. I let it go. My wife said the same way. We, we let things go because there's, like, there's new things coming up, new offenses. Yeah. You got to make room for the new ones. I don't really, I, I, matter of <laughs> fact, I mean, I've gotten upset with Danielle, but I don't think it's like, I, almost when I think about it, I'm like, it really wasn't a big deal because I don't even remember it anymore. Like, okay, well, this or that or we had a disagreement or I don't know yeah I don't know alright so Matthew 6 14 and 15 he says this and this is even harder okay you know know what I'm saying this is he says for if ye forgive men their trespasses your heavenly father will also forgive you but and this is a big but if ye forgive not men their trespasses neither will your father forgive your trespasses you know that's a good that's a good that's a good statement, Ryan. And I, and I want to share something as well. Being a pastor, I really want to share this for all of you that are listening, watching, hearing. We have to ask ourselves: How do we know if we have forgiven? What's a, what's an indicator? How do I know that I've really forgiven them? Well, I think it's a matter of attitude, actions, but also it's like you're not plotting revenge or malice or wickedness. You're not plotting or scheming or I'll get you back or or whatever you know you don't exchange evil for evil so I think that's a good sign of of forgiveness and then of course I don't have it in here but the Lord was showing me that can you worship next to that person Mm. I I know you know I think empathy is another piece to that puzzle Um, I don't think every I don't there's there's personality types that don't even plot revenge right that are just hurt yeah or broken you know and so I think that the empathy, when you can look at something from someone else's perspective and, mm-hmm. and realize and forgive from that angle, I think is another, another way. If you're in the position where like you just, you know, can't bring yourself to that point, then I don't think you've really done the forgiveness piece, you know? That's true. So, and that's the thing though, you know, that's, that's the beauty of it. You know, it's like, it's, it's like, it, it really goes like this. We are, we are commanded to love one another. Love is very important. To, to the, that value system. Um, and then, of course, with that comes the trust, the respect, then that unity. Right. You know, but you got to have those things. So if trust are, is violated, then it's going to be hard to respect and have unity. Yes. So this is where you got to be careful, yeah. you know, especially when it comes to that. Because you can have like an association and consider that a unity because you're associated with somebody or something. But when it comes to relationships and friendships, you know, you don't want to violate the trust and then break that respect. Right. Because it, it can be earned back, but it's a process. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right, so number 30. The word trespasses is the Greek word paraptima. 
and it means the following. A sidestep, lapse or deviation, unintentional error or willful transgression, fail, fault, offense. Interesting. So this word trespass is different, you know, obviously than uh, the words, because this is the Greek word. Uh, now, the season of Teshuvah is a time for each man to annually examine his own life. Now, remember, it's not for us to examine the other folks. Cause how easy is it for us to be like, oh, yeah, this person really needs to make some Teshuvah. Yeah. It's all me this year, baby. It's easy. It's all me. It's easy to sit in the armchair I got quarterback. so much to process right now. <laughs> it's unbelievable. No doubt. Number 32, it is a time to restore relationships between men as well as God. So if we take Yeshua's example there where he just gave, we better make it a priority, right? You know, right now there's a lot of families that are divided. Oh, yeah. And so you have to do your part to keep the family together. Do your part. You know, blessed are the peacemakers. Amen. For they shall be children of God. That's right. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. I love that. See, meekness. So I only say that because, like, even in our own congregation, you know, some people are estranged from their their children or something like that, you know, and so they're really upset over that. I say, well, do your part, and we'll we'll pray for that, for that restoration, you know, because it happens, you know, and there's not a whole lot you can do. You know, I've witnessed it in my own family, you know, with with, um, some family members. But I tell you, if we do our part, it does feel good to say, I'm ready for restoration or whatever. But it's really up to the other party to, if it be possible, be at peace with all men. That's in Romans. And John Bevere actually made those statements. It was very powerful. But many will be offended, betray, and hate. So what you do with the offense dictates your future. Amen. And so you really got, you know, I told you, hey, I buried the hatchet. In their back. <laughs> but, I, but I found the handle. <laughs> I kept it above ground. You know, yeah, I know it's terrible. Um, but, you know, revenge and, and, and malice and wickedness is real. People oh, will, sure. they'll, they'll, they'll be so angry, they'll want to hurts you. They want to come after you. Yeah, you know? it's not good. Um, I'm trying to think of a situation that that happens. But yeah, anyway, so yeah, you can continue on. That's good stuff. Man. Yeah, I just got two quotes uh, here to finish us off. It was a quote and a scripture verse. This one is by the illustrious Pastor Nick Plummer. Wow, let's do it. He's uh, infamous at the very least. I am in- infamous. Uh, and it says, uh, your success in life will not be determined by monetary value, but by your relationship with God and with each other. Mm. I, I know. It's not what you, you know. know. When I make friends, know. it's forever, man. Yeah, you man. Know, like my dentist and his wife, they were there for me when I had a hard time. They were part of the college and career group, and he he played the guitar and sang, and she was a great teacher and everything. So they're just a great couple. And he's out there by uh, Chamberlain High School, yeah. my dentist, way, way out, out there, there, right yeah. there, Bush and all that. So I still go to him for my dentist since the 90s. Wow. And I take my family. Yeah. Because that's how much he means to me, him and his wife. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, you know, you don't get to talk or spend time together or whatever, but, man, you can just value that that relationship after sure. all these years. Yeah. Like my mechanics at the Olin Mott or whatever, you know, yeah. just friendships that, you know, you just go and you, you do it. And and, uh, and it's so important that we that we do that stuff. I got gotcha. you. Yeah, I agree. Yes. Uh, all right, Matthew seven twelve. Always treat others as you would like them to treat you. That sums up the teaching of the Torah and the prophets. And that, was, that was Yeshua. Complete Jewish Bible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Yeshua's quote. Is it he Dan- said it in David English, Stern? just like that. I don't know. Yeah, I think so. Complete Jewish Bible? Yep. Wow. Always treat others as you would like them to treat you. Right. Not as they treat you, as you would like them to treat you. Know, you know, it's like I would really like a latte. So if I make lattes for yeah, people, you know. there you go. I'm doing to them what I would want done. You know, it's funny, too, because this, this is the golden rule is what they call this rule, right? Um, golden rule. The like golden that. rule. Uh, but there's a platinum rule, and, and it goes like this. Uh, 
treat others as they would want you to treat them. Right. <laughs> not how you would want to be treated, right? Because not everybody has the same love language, true, too, all that kind yeah. of stuff. Um, and so you would want to be treated in a manner that is, co- you know, coordinated with your love language. Well, what we can say is that what the Bible says, think of others more highly than yourself. Oh, absolutely. Which is pretty cool. They say the definition of maturity is the 51% rule, where you're thinking of others at least 51% of the time and yourself. And it does, get, it does take you a long ways when you think of others. For sure. People don't care how much you know till they know how much you care. I believe that was a Maya Angelou quote. No, that was a character. Yeah. There you go. Oh, hey, yeah. Did you know you were quoting Maya Angelou? No. Is that the wife of? No, Maya Angelou's a poet. She's uh, oh, she wrote like why does the, the cage bird sing? I think was one. I thought it was the wife of uh, Nelson Mandela. No, 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 no. She, I mean, heck, I, I, I don't know anything other than what I just told you about her. So I mean, I'm, I'm gonna have to. Uh, why does the caged bird sing? Poem is by Maya Angelou. See, I knew. See, look at that. There you that's, go. That's, that's that good old Florida public education. Just throwing there, in a little bit of the uh, culture in there. I like that. All right, so. Yeah. Pastor Nick, what two points did you get out of our study on the season of Teshuvah? I got two points. The two main points is this. Number one, the season of Teshuvah is a time to re- prepare for the fall feasts. So the season of Teshuvah is a time to prepare for the fall feast. Because if Yeshua fulfilled the spring feast, he's going to fulfill the fall feast. And there's going to be the last time that we're going to be in this body in the summertime. There's going to be one last summer. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, last summer. Number two, the season of Teshuvah is about returning and repentance. And that's what I have. Those are my two. So Pretty much it there. My first one was God loves us and wants us to be reconciled to himself. Right? He wants us to return to him. And my second point is that our relationships with others is a microcosm picture Right? It's a picture of... What's the first one again? God loves us and wants us... To be reconciled to himself. He wants us to return. Like, if you got anything out of this study today, it's to return. <laughs> I can't... Uh, we got we to go through this... Sender, yeah, we got to go through and count how many times we said the word return today. <laughs> I know. Shub, shub, shub. So what's your second one? My second one is that um, uh, our relationship with others is a picture, right? A microcosm of our relationship with ourself and with God. And so many times um, we Say have... Say again. Our relationship with others... With others is a microcosm or a picture of our relationship with God and with ourself. With a, is a microcosm or a what? A picture. Of what? Our relationship with God and with ourself. Because we have layers in, inside of us, you know, that got to be peeled back in order to really get so to our, Of our relationship with God and ourselves. And ourselves. That's deep. It is. So if you're having trouble with relationships. That's deep. You, sometimes you've got to look internal. Deep. And deal with your own stuff. Ain't that the truth, man? It is definitely. And it's layered like an onion, man. Oh, man. I, I mean, listen, it's like whew, this this layer, boy. It's like shrimp. I thought overcoming these other things I did, this is like major, major layer. Yeah. We're talking like jackhammer layer, you know. Brr, brr. This just won't come on. Reminds me of Shrek, where Shrek and the donkey are walking, you know. And uh, he's like, ogres are like onions, you know. And he's like, they stink, 
And he's like, no, they make you cry? <laughs> he's like, no, they have layers. Onions have layers. Ogres have layers. It's like, <laughs> crack of That's yuck. classic. Look at you in the culture, man. Just po- poems and movies. and wow. that's what's all Well, you can close it out in prayer. Oh, gracious God, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to return to you. Thank you for your love and your mercy and your grace, that you would want a relationship with us, God, and that you've given us the Bible, God, your word, and other resources to help us make this return to you, God. And so we just pray for the season of Teshuvah, the people under the sound of my voice, that this year that they would return unto you, Lord, like never before, that they would internally seek inside of themselves the things that are keeping them from a true and uh, awesome and joyful relationship with you, Lord. I just pray for the season. I pray for the fall feasts as they come. Help us to prepare, Lord. Get our hearts ready in Yeshua's name. Amen. 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 All right. Bless you guys. If you uh, keep the conversation going in the comments, it would help us out. Uh, I'd love to hear from you. You can also email me at ryan at twopraise.net. Bless you guys. Have a great week.